Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Last week, the National Football League presented us all a welcome diversion as we deal with the most lethal pandemic since the Spanish flu of 1918. As the novel coronavirus, or COVID-19, continues to spread across the United States and the world, we here at Sports Crunch will aim to do the same. Yet also, we urge all of you to follow the recommended guidelines of the CDC and other public health institutions. Stay home, with the exception of grocery shopping, pharmacy shopping, and walking. Avoid public gatherings with 10 or more people, and wash your hands often and thoroughly. But now we go back to the wild, wild week that was in the NFL with free agency, trades, and a new collective bargaining agreement. And who better than to help us recap all of what transpired than our good friend Matt Barr, the co-host of the 4th and Gold podcast. How are you doing, Matt? I am doing good. Like you said, this is kind of business as normal for the NFL. It was nice to have a distraction of, of just sports, something sports related that was that was relevant. It was very nice. It was a breath of fresh air. Oh, it most certainly was, and let's start talking about that week with the new collective bargaining agreement, and amidst an atmosphere of economic uncertainty, not just for the NFL, but for America in general due to COVID-19, all 32 NFL owners, if probably most of them, and 51% of dues-paying players breathed a sigh of relief over a week ago as the NFLPA ratified the new collective bargaining agreement, albeit by a very narrow 60-vote margin. But for those of you who have listened to this show in recent weeks, Matt and myself are both ardent critics of the steal. But now that it's done, what does the NFLPA have to do next? Because it looks like we will get an additional regular season game and an expanded playoff field. And those were two of the main reasons why we oppose the steal, because we believe it dilutes the product for the fans. Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, that's really it. The, the NFL schedule isn't perfect, but it's as close to perfect as sports gets. It, it, was, it was very well balanced, the six playoff teams. It was perfectly balanced. You know, me and you talked about last time that the teams that they buy in the playoffs have an inordinate amount of an advantage, right? They, absolutely. They almost certainly make it to the Super Bowl every year. It's because that extra bye week, playing an extra game, not getting an extra bye week during the year, it's, it's tough. The NFLPA has to figure out a way to unify the players. I, I mean, I really think they were on the verge of of turning this down. And then COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, came in. And I think it scared a lot of people. And I think it made them really think short term because these guys want their guaranteed money. They might not be able to strike because they don't know you know, if this is going to be a long-term thing, if, if it's going to cancel seasons, what's going to go on. So I think that they kind of hit the panic button a little bit. The NFLPA has to find a way to get everybody on the same page. Oh, they most certainly do, and uh, there is some hope of that because they elected J.C. Treader uh, a couple weeks ago as the new president of the union, and J.C. Treader, although he ended up voting for the CBA, he had serious reservations about it and encouraged all players to vote their conscience. Yeah, and that's really what you want to see from a president is, is not dictating you know, who's going to do what and how they should vote. They should really let everyone make a conscious decision on their own, talk with their family, talk with their their money managers, talk with their, you know, their agent, talk with whoever they're comfortable talking with before they come to a decision. And I think that's exactly what J.C. Treader should have done and what he did. So I was happy to see that at least. Yes, and you also brought up another very, very good point. Um, several days into the vote, um, it, it, people um, were 
thinking that this was headed towards a no vote, but then Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell both test positive for COVID-19, mm-hmm. forcing the NBA to shut down. That causes a domino effect, forcing all other of the major sports leagues to shut down, and that caused a lot of players, um, per many agents uh, who spoke to many uh, top reporters on the record, uh, that were on the fence or considering not voting at all to vote yes for this because it, it definitely caused a panic. Pe- players voted for economic uh, certainty in, an, in in a time of immense uncertainty, and I get that line of thinking, and uh, I understand that that's what probably got got this thing over the finish line. But I think there are some ways for uh, the players to um, resist some of these changes, like uh, uh, for example, uh, Richard Sherman and other stars sit out the seventeenth game, don't play the seventeenth game, uh, cause some good trouble there. I think that's a good way for the players to be able to uh, m- move forward without striking. Yeah, I, I agree with you to an extent, but also these guys are competitors. And let's say that 17th game means the difference between the playoffs or not the playoffs. Uh, I think you're going to have a very hard time convincing Richard Sherman that he shouldn't play in a game that his skills and his abilities could push his team over the top to getting a chance at a Lombardi trophy. It, it sounds good on paper, and it, and it really makes sense, but it, I just can't see these guys, these ultra-competitive guys, just being like, you know what, I care more about – the players and I do about the team and, and I want to prove a point when, you know, they really could make the difference between, you know, playing in the playoffs or sitting home. Uh, given Richard Sherman's uh, background, uh, being a Stanford graduate and stuff, I wouldn't uh, bet on him not standing up for the players over the team, but that's uh, for another day. And <laughs> when you also look at this uh, deal, as you alluded to, um, it was, I believe, Ben Volan of the Boston Globe that that wrote in one of his columns that 80% of teams that ended up with a playoff bye wound up going to the Super Bowl. And now instead of two teams per conference getting a bye, you only have one team per conference getting the bye. Like if this turns out to rig things dramatically in favor of the one seed and we see the one seed make uh, the Super Bowl in 10 out of the next 11 seasons, so to speak, uh, I think the players and the fans jointly have to demand that they go back to the previous format. Yeah, I really think it's going to come down to the competitiveness on the field for this one. I think they're going to give it a couple of years, and then if they want to walk it back, they can always walk it back. You know, and, and, and me and Javi looked at it on the 4th and Gold podcast, and it's something over like the last 10 years. There was like three teams that finished less than 8-8 eight and eight that would have made the playoffs with just the seventh team making it. Um, you're really getting not a great team in that seventh seed some years. It, you know, sometimes it was 10 and 6, but more often it was 7 and 9, 8 and 8, 8, 7 and 1, 9 and 7. Like, teams that aren't blowing people out of the water and, and don't seem like they necessarily deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, you know, you look at this last year, it would have been the Rams in the NFC that made the playoffs, and they, they didn't seem like a, a great team. So, you know, were they competitive enough to be in the playoffs? Did they deserve it? I don't know. So I can definitely see the NFL walking this back if one seed's just cruise right to the Super Bowl year after year after year. Well, let's hope they can if our worst fears uh, come to pass uh, in the years ahead. But uh, now let's uh, put the collective Barney Green aside and focus on the flurry of trades that went um, into effect this week with the new league year. And a thing that I like about the, what the NFL has become recently is that general managers have become a lot more aggressive with, with these trades. It's almost become NBA-like in a way. And, uh, the first among those three trades was were the Houston Texans trading DeAndre Hopkins, who is still one of the three best wide receivers in the game, and a 2024th rounder to the Arizona Cardinals for their 2022nd round pick and a fourth round pick in 2021. 
granted, David Johnson was also that trade, but David Johnson is on the back end of his career, and some people think he's washed up. Do you ever remember such a big trade being more one-sided than this one? I mean, you almost have to go back to the Herschel Walker Cowboys trade, right? Correct. When they traded him to the Vikings and they got, what was it, 14 picks or something like that in return before, back before draft picks were valued as high as they are now. I, I don't understand this. Bill O'Brien, who is someone that me and you have both been very critical of on this podcast, me and you have both said that the Texans need to move on from him. He's the person holding them back. He's destroying Deshaun Watson's career. Deshaun Watson has to be counting the days until he can get all the way out of Houston because he cannot be comfortable being there. If you're going to trade off his pieces and you're not going to find him offensive line help and you're going to trade all the draft picks and you're just setting the franchise back by making these moves. DeAndre Hopkins is a top three receiver in the NFL. If some people have him as the best receiver in the NFL, it depends on who you talk to. To get him for peanuts, for peanuts, they didn't even get a first-round pick for him. How does that happen? David Johnson, yeah, you can say he's washed, you can say he's whatever, but However you look at it, he's been hurt the last couple of years, and he's not the same player. And they took on his entire salary. They just—I I don't understand what the Houston Texans were doing. And I—I—I I, my heart goes out for Deshaun Watson because I feel so bad that this team is just trying so hard to not give him the talent that he needs to succeed. As I tweeted last week, the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien do not deserve a player like Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and yet he's a victim of one of the most incompetently run organizations in the National Football League right now. Uh, with the McNair family, um, which have, have always been suspect owners, giving Bill O'Brien full control of the football operation right now, it is just a mess there, and it seems to be just staring into the abyss as opposed to falling into the abyss right now, and it's only going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And you pretty much answer my next question. If you're Deshaun Watson, do you straight up tell the McNair family that either Bill O'Brien goes or I go? I think that's a no-brainer. It's yes. Yeah, he has to. He has to take a stand and he has to be – or actually, you know what? I don't think he does. You know what? I don't think he does. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I want nothing to do with the Texans. I don't care if Bill O'Brien goes. I don't care if he stays because all I know is if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm walking when my rookie contract is up and I'm going to go get paid the highest paid quarterback salary probably ever when he hits the open market because that's what's going to happen. And that's exactly what I would do if I was him. I'm not demanding that Bill O'Brien goes or I go. I'm just saying I don't want to play in Houston anymore. I think there's a way for him to do this, uh, although it will take um, three more years of him playing in Houston most likely, unless uh, he is able to force a trade. First, he, he should try to force a trade like Jalen Ramsey did by, by sitting out and uh, milking injuries or whatnot to try mm -hmm. to force a trade. Then, um, should he uh, play the final two years of his rookie deal and get the uh, – exclusive rights franchise tag put on him. I think uh, the last collective bonding agreement uh, made it okay to do. Uh, I would assume that this one makes it okay to do as well. Uh, he could sit out the whole year under the franchise tag, and that means the Texans would only be allowed to use the non-exclusive one the following year, and that opens a team to uh, offer being only able to offer a first and a third to sign him away. So I think... Uh, if it comes to the franchise tag, he still has uh, leverage to force his way out of Houston one way or the other. Yeah, he really does. He really does. And he's got all the power in his relationship right now. And, you know, I can see him forcing a trade. He went to Twitter today and he he 
kind of tweeted something vague and it just didn't seem like it seemed like he was kind of dumb with the Texans. and He's not happy. I don't blame him. You know, you trade someone's best weapon away for nothing in return. It, it looks bad. It looks bad. And I, like I said, my heart goes out to him. I hope, I hope he figures this out. I hope he gets, I hope he gets out of Houston. I hope he finds himself a successful place. Cause I'll tell you what, if he wants to come to San Francisco, Bill O'Brien, I've got a ham sandwich and a broken washing machine, and I will give it to you for Deshaun Watson right now. And I have a feeling you might take it. Oh, I love that fit with the Niners and Deshaun Watson. And speaking of the 49ers, your San Francisco 49ers were part of another big blockbuster trade that occurred last week as they traded Pro Bowl defensive tackle DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts for Indy's 2020 first-round pick at 13 overall. And Buckner also got a mega contract extension from the Colts that will average $21 million per year, making him the second-highest-paid defensive tackle in football behind only Aaron Donald. Do you think DeForest Buckner is worth that amount of money for the Colts? And do you think that he and Phillip Rivers give them a good shot at potentially winning the AFC South? Um, I do think Buckner is worth that money if you have it to give it to him. Now, to defend the 49ers, and this, a lot of fans were very upset that Buckner was traded. He's, you know, There's a lot of 99 jerseys in the crowd. Uh, when I was out at Levi's Stadium this year, they were all over the place. People loved DeForest Buckner, and for good reason. The man put up with some bad teams. He played a ton of snaps. He was a great player. The 49ers were never willing to tango. I got this from someone on the inside. They were never going to meet his price. They were they were they were apart, and it was it was wasn't going to happen. So the only choice the 49ers had was to trade him. I think they found a good spot for him in Indianapolis. I think he's going to eat up a lot of blocks. I think he's going to do a great job of getting after the quarterback. He's going to open it up for Darius Leonard behind him. I, I like Indianapolis as a fit for him because I think it's a good team that was on the cusp last year. Quarterback play was the biggest suspect. Phillip Rivers, I don't know if he puts them over the top, but he's got to be better than Jacoby Brissett. I like the weapons they have there for him. I, I, I think, I honestly, coming into this, I thought Jameis Winston was a really good fit in Indy. Doesn't take care of the ball all that well, and I know that's the biggest knock on him, but I think they needed somebody that could just go out there and sling it a little bit. Um, Phillip Rivers, I feel like, is kind of like a safe play by Indy, and they're hoping that Frank Wright can really get a lot out of him. Um, I think Buckner is going to do more to help the Colts win the AFC South than than Philip Rivers will. Oh, absolutely. Plus, uh, given the most important position in uh, Matt Eberflus's defense, Eberflus, the very fine defensive coordinator for the Colts, is the three technique. He His defense is from the Rod Marinelli, Tony Dungy, Lovey Smith tree, and mm-hmm. meaning that you build your defense around that three technique, and that's what DeForest Buckner is going to be playing in that defense. Absolutely, and he was a, he was a top three three technique in the league last year. Um, he just wanted Aaron Donald money and the 49ers didn't have it. Unfortunately, part of the you know, part of the thing about getting a good team around you is you have to start paying these guys and you're never going to be able to pay anybody. So being able to get a first round pick in return for someone that was literally just going to play this year and then walk and you get a third round pick in 2022, it's a no brainer for John Lynch. I think this is an absolute coup. Very rarely do you get a first round return for a player when they're almost done with their rookie contract and do a new one. Huge get, huge get by the 49ers to get a first-round pick. Oh, absolutely. I think this was personally a win-win for both teams. And now let's talk about the 49ers side of things. As far as they're concerned, I personally think they have their eyes on five potential prospects with that 13th overall pick. 
they are probably looking at two positions. Defensive tackle to replace DeForest Buckner with Derek Brown of Auburn or Javon Kinlaw of South Carolina and the top three wide receivers in the draft that they will use to replace Emmanuel Sanders as that main option in the wide receiver core opposite Debo Samuel, uh, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, or CeeDee Lamb. Would you be surprised if the Niners go with any of these five guys should they be available? No, I, I think that's the top five guys. I, th- I think you hit it on the head. I don't think Derek Brown falls that far. If he does, I think the 49ers are going to be licking their chops to get him. Um, Kinlaw, I'm a big fan. I like his game. I just I, I don't know if Shanahan wants to go out and get his Julio Jones. I think that might be the biggest deciding factor here is that the 49ers feel like they have enough depth on the defensive line that they can build through later in the draft and they can just go with what they have, but they don't have that wide receiver, right? Like you said, Emmanuel Sanders left to New Orleans. It's Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne, who they slapped a second-round tender as a restricted free agent. And then an underperforming Dante Pettis, uh, underperforming Marquise Goodwin, uh, Richie James, a former seventh-round pick. It, it's very thin at wide receiver. So I think they're looking wide receiver top here. I think Kyle Shanahan wants to get his Julio Jones. If he sees Julio Jones in any of those three, uh, he'll probably jump uh, if one of them are available at 13. But it's not a guarantee that any of those three will be available at 13 because the Jets at 11 could look at a wide receiver if mm-hmm. all their main offensive tackles are off the board. The Raiders at 12 could um, be looking uh, at, at wide receiver most certainly, and Jerry Judy has been the name that they've been linked with the most. But also you have to consider the fact that another team with more draft capital than the 49ers right now, like the Broncos at 15, could be willing to jump Uh, them to get a wide receiver at 10 or 11 overall so it's not a guarantee that any of those three are going to be there so let's say all three of those wide receivers and both defensive tackles uh, are gone uh, by 13. Adam Schefter himself said that the 49ers are going to be open to shopping either 13 or 31 to net them uh, more picks in this year's draft because keep in mind even with those two firsts they still don't have a second third or fourth rounder due to the Emmanuel Sanders trades and the uh, D Ford trade. So Mm -hmm. uh, should the 49ers consider trading down from 13 as opposed to 31 if they think it will net them better picks than uh, trading down from that second first round pick would? I think if if at 13 all five of those guys are gone, I think you have to look at it. You have to understand. But also what they, they need to look at is a really good offensive tackle could fall if all five of those guys go. So someone like Tristan Wirfs falls. You have to realize that Joe Staley is playing on borrowed time right now. You know, Mike McGlinchey, fantastic right tackle. I think he's going to stay at right tackle. He's a, he's a bookend for the next five, six years, maybe longer than that. But Joe Staley is getting a little longer in the tooth. So you're going to have to look to replace him too. Um, I, I think they need to decide what their strategy is. If they're going best player available no matter what at 13, I understand that. Um, the, the best part about having 31 and being able to trade out of that is it gives teams the fifth-year option for a first-round pick, and that holds a lot of weight, right? Some teams will overpay to come back in the first round just to have that fifth-year option. And I can see them shopping that one more than 13. I don't think you give up DeForest Buckner a blue-chip player without trying to get a blue-chip player in return. Oh, that's a very, very good point. And a couple of other offensive tackles that could fall uh, to 13 if they decide to go that direction. Um, one is Georgia's Andrew Thomas, and another is uh, Jedrick Wills of Alabama, who word had had it. He might be falling because te- some teams see him more as a guard, but I think uh, Kyle Shanahan might love him as a replacement for uh, Joe Staley. 
Yeah, and they actually have a need at guard. So they just released their starting right guard, Mike Person, a couple days ago. So bringing in uh, a tackle that might be perceived to play guard at first and then shift back out to tackle once Staley retires might not necessarily be the worst thing. Oh, absolutely not. And uh, I understand why you think uh, the Niners are leaning more towards a wide receiver than defensive tackle. But that being said, I think without Buckner, uh, defensive tackle is equally as a problem right now as wide receiver depth behind uh, Debo Samuel. Yeah, you got some some solid run stuffers in there like uh, DJ Jones and whatnot, but you don't really have that difference maker that is going to draw a lot of attention away from Nick Bosa and uh, D Ford and all your uh, other amazing uh, edge rushers. So uh, I think they are going to be considering Javon Kinlar, Derek Brown at 13, just as much as those three wide receivers. I can see it uh, again. I think this comes down to what do they want to feed? Do they want to feed the offense or do they want to feed the defense? And I think right now the offense sits a little bit farther behind the defense. Um, you mentioned DJ Jones. I love DJ Jones. The 49ers had Five guys from the defensive line finish on the IR last year. Uh, Ronnie Blair was one of them. He just signed a one-year contract, and I think that was a godsend because if he played all year last year, he was going to get paid in free agency. So the 49ers kind of lucked out that he tore his ACL in, in, a, in a weird way. Um, but then you're looking at guys like Julian Taylor. They have a bunch of plus players, not replacement players, but plus players that can step in and do it. Obviously, they're not going to do it at Buckner's, at Buckner's level. Um, I understand what you're saying, that they might want to do that, but I think the offense is more important to reload with weapons. As, again, after you get past Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne, it, it, it's it's tough sledding. It's tough sledding for the wide receivers. I understand it's a deep class, but you know what are they going to get at Jalen Hurd? What are they going to get at Trent Taylor? They don't know. These guys are both injury risks. It, I mean, if all three wide receivers are gone and they're looking at Javon Kinlaw and Derek Brown, they're going to jump. But if one of the receivers is there, I think they go with that guy. Oh, I think so, too. And which one of those top three receivers, Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, or CeeDee Lamb, do you think would be the best possible uh, compliment to Debo Samuel? Yes. I mean, I really think that any of them would match up really well with what Debo does. They all have speed, length, size, hands. Every, those, I think those three guys, you can't go wrong. You really can't go wrong. Um, if I had to pick one gun to my head, I'll take Jerry, Judy. I, I don't know. There's just something about his play that when I watch it, I get really, really excited. The other guys get me excited, but Jerry Judy gets me really, really excited. Oh, yeah. If the 49ers want to, to clone Emmanuel Sanders, Jerry Judy is Emmanuel Sanders and then some. Uh, mm-hmm. Strong route runner, very polished route runner. His routes are otherworldly watching him on tape. And uh, some people like to compare him to Calvin Ridley, which is kind of reasonable given the similar athletic testing that they both put up at the combine. But I think Jerry Judy is a more explosive version of Calvin Ridley. I agree. I agree. And Judy really creates a lot of separation when he runs his routes. And it's partly because of that route running. And that's what Kyle Shanahan loves is guys that can get open and just present a target to the quarterback. Uh, Jerry Judy slant God. And the best thing that Jimmy Garoppolo throws is a slant. So, you know, that's it's a match made in heaven. I think it would be perfect outside match for Debo Samuel. Yes, but as I alluded to earlier, I believe the Las Vegas Raiders may have their eyes on Jerry Judy at 12. And if Judy is indeed the top choice of those five prospects uh, that we listed for the Niners, uh, should the Niners uh, consider moving up uh, to 11 to jump the Raiders for Judy if they feel that strongly about him as you do? So, so here's something they could do is actually they could actually jump up to 10. And if you look at the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, this is going to work out a little bit in the 49ers' favor. But if they traded 10 and 31, 
or excuse me, 13 and 31. They could trade that to Cleveland for 10 and 41. Uh, that net positive is a little bit on the Niners, but again, they, the Cleveland Browns would have two first round picks, two fifth year options. They can maybe make that work if Cleveland's comfortable moving back and then obviously up again. It also gives the 49ers a good shot to draft somebody really good at the beginning of the second round. Uh, I think that's a move they might make. Uh, they they have a decent relationship with Cleveland. I know there was there's been some movement there. You know, Joe Woods just went there. He's the the pass uh, the pass coordinator for the DB's the coach 49ers defense. For the yeah, the DB coach. Excuse me. Yeah, the DB coach for the 49ers. And he went there to be the defensive coordinator in Cleveland. So there's a little bit of relationship there. If they're really nervous, they're going to miss out on their wide receiver. 10 and 41 for 13 and 31 makes a little bit of sense to me. Oh, absolutely. But the question is, uh, do the Niners want to add more picks or do they want to subtract? If they want to add a lot more picks than they have right now, then um, then a trade down might make more sense for them than a trade up as uh, Adam Schefter um, alluded to when after he broke the trade last week, but um, there's going to be competition to trade up potentially to ten or higher um, mm-hmm. for the 49ers and the Denver Broncos with uh, three um, third round picks uh, are going to provide some competition in that department. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think Denver is not really ready to compete this year. I think they're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're ready to be a top tier competitor yet. I don't either. I don't uh, either. <laughs> don't worry. Drew, Drew, Drew Locke has some learning to do. He has some growing to do. Uh, but I like what Denver's doing, and I like the, all the picks they have. And if they can move up and get some blue chip players, they'll be they'll be in good shape. Uh, yeah, I'm not betting on the Broncos uh, um, overtaking the Chiefs anytime soon. I was just saying that they are a team to watch trading up mm-hmm. to ten just as much as the 49ers are, and the 49ers, as Adam Schefter said, may be more inclined to move back from 31 than up from 13. I'm just uh, letting our our listeners know what the <laughs> intel says at the moment, although it is subject to change because an overnight is an eternity in the NFL, and we still mm-hmm. got uh, 30 more eternities left until the draft. Yeah, 30 on the nose, man. It's, it's, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. You know, Hopefully they don't move it because of the virus stuff, and hopefully it stays right on right on time. And they just do it MLB style. Yep, that's uh, exactly what their plans are at the moment. And uh, and unless uh, you hear any chatter uh, next week or the following week about the draft uh, being delayed, expect the draft to be held April 23rd to 25th MLB style in a small uh, studio with Goodell announcing the picks and uh, live TV shots of the team's in their respective headquarters, whether it be at their actual training facility or somebody's house, and the prospects celebrating with family at home. So just, uh, but it still should be a fun event nonetheless. And now let's talk about the elephant in the room. The main headline of this free agency period, that was Tom Brady. The Patriots dynasty, after 20 years, I think it is safe to say it has finally come to an end. All good things must come to an end. Even though I'm not a Patriots fan, it was admirable to see them go on that run they did for the past 20 years. But all good things must come to an end. No dynasty can last forever. The Patriots dynasty is over as Tom Brady has decided to take his talents to Tampa and join Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trying to get Bruce Arians a Super Bowl ring as a head coach and one more ring for him before he hangs up his pads. And what are your thoughts on Tom Brady's fit with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do you trust Bruce Arians to draft, uh, adapt his uh, vertical-based passing game offense to Brady, who's more of a horizontal-type passer at this point in his career? I mean, he's going to have to because Brady can't push the ball down the field anymore, it doesn't seem like. I, I mean, I really think we saw a stark decline in, in, in Brady's play last year. 
uh, my bold prediction when I came on here for Wildcard Weekend was that Tom Brady was going to throw, you know, for less than 200 yards and two interceptions, and he ended up with what 209 yards and one pick six. So it's we've just seen his play drop off. Um, you can blame it on him not having weapons or or whatever it was in in New England, but. He just can't fit the ball in tight windows anymore. They're absolutely going to have to alter the passing game because Tampa Bay's offensive line is questionable as well. And Brady does not like pressure. Brady does not like to be hit. So, I don't know. Father Time's undefeated. I think he's about to hit a brick wall. And I think we're about to see kind of a Peyton-esque drop-off like we saw in his last year in Denver. Oh, you, you could very well be right. But granted, he has a lot of toys to play with now. And Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, arguably the best wide receiver duo in the National Football League right now. And hopefully this means more targets for O.J. Howard uh, and Cameron Brait as well. And if they draft somebody like Clyde Edwards-Alaire in round two, um, Brady could have a, a, lot of, a, a lot of support. And plus, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team has a lot of young talent on both sides of the football. Uh, I take uh, your answer to my follow-up question to be no. It was, should the Bucks be considered either favorites or co-favorites in the NFC South as of now? No, and I, I think the biggest reason they're not, and it comes with the signing of Emmanuel Sanders in New Orleans. Uh, they finally got a legitimate number two next to Mike Thomas. I mean, no longer Ted Ginn or whoever else they want to roll out there. Emmanuel Sanders and Mike Thomas and, and Drew Brees coming back to New Orleans, who I know I said Father Time's undefeated, but Drew Brees plays in a dome and Play style is just a little bit different than Brady, and Drew Reese will stand in there and take a hit. I, I, the Saints have to be the runaway favorites right now. Um, you know, the, the Panthers are in rebuild mode. The Falcons still don't know what they're doing. They can't figure out if they're rebuilding or if they're trying to compete. They've been stuck in that limbo for, I don't know, how long since since they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Yes, they've it's Kyle Shanahan left, yes. They've been, they've, been stuck, they've been stuck in that limbo where they don't know exactly what they're doing. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is second in the division, and I, I'll give them that, but I think that I still think the Saints, as long as they have Drew Brees and as long as they get to play eight games guaranteed in the Superdome, they're the favorites. Oh yeah, especially if uh, Drew Brees, like uh, Tom Brady, shows that he could squeeze another elite season out of him at uh, forty-one overall, uh, forty-one years old. That is my mistake. Uh, mm-hmm. th- uh, that. Um, could easily make the Saints Bears a plus now with Emmanuel Sanders there to compliment the best wide receiver in the NFL right now and Michael Thomas. Ouch. That is a one-two punch that could rival uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, even with Emmanuel uh, in the twilight of his career. I agree. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders still has a lot of juice left. I mean, we saw that when he in the Super Bowl when he, he burned the Chiefs and Garoppolo just missed him. I mean, he can still play without Emmanuel Sanders. The 49ers don't win the Saints game. Without Emmanuel Sanders, they don't win either one of the Cardinals games. You know, he played very pivotal roles in, in a lot of games down the stretch for the 49ers, and a lot of fans thought he wasn't worth it for the rental when they traded a third and fourth round pick for him. They also got a fifth round pick back, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. But Emmanuel Sanders still has the juice. He can still play, and, and I think he's going to be excellent in the Dome. That's where his best game all year came was in New Orleans. I think he's just going to kind of pick it up where he left off, and he's going to take a lot of pressure off Mike Thomas. And speaking of the New Orleans Saints, I want to send my well wishes to Coach Sean Payton, who is uh, at home recovering from uh, the uh, coronavirus. Thank God uh, uh, he he only has a mild, relatively asymptomatic case of it. But uh, let his uh, warning be to all of you that we all need to take as much precautions as we can to stay home as much as possible because we do not want to overburden our healthcare workers who are facing enormous equipment shortages right now. The draft is coming up, guys. Just just break down film, grind the tape. You got nothing else to do. Don't go out. Do do 
do your fun stuff, but do it at home, right? Don't have your friends over. Um, something you can do, just just shooting off the cuff here. Uh, my family and I did a Zoom happy hour where we all pulled up Zoom and we did a little digital happy hour. Everybody got a chance to sit around and talk. So I would encourage you to do that instead of going out somewhere and engaging out in public. Also, NFL, uh, doing the draft process using Zoom and other similar technologies, I think is uh, the best way to guarantee that you'll be able to operate the draft on April 23rd through 25th. Just uh, let the team set up their war rooms wherever they want, whether it's in their team headquarters or the coach's house with only three or four people as opposed to like 15. And uh, just, do, j- just do the whole thing via Zoom. Absolutely. Absolutely. The technology is there where they don't need to be in the same room to do this. So I'm so happy free agency went off on time because there's no meeting that you can't have over Zoom or Skype or Google Chats or whatever you want to use that you could get from a face-to-face interview with these guys. It avoids them flying all over the country. It avoids them going from place to place. Use the technology. We have it. FaceTime, whatever you want to use. Just make sure you're doing it from the comfort of your home. He is Matt Barr, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of the 4th and Gold podcast, a must-listen for not just San Francisco 49ers fans, but NFL fans and football fans in general. And uh, before we let you go, we want to cover two more uh, topics here, Matt. Uh, this was an unprecedented market for quarterbacks in which uh, the uh, demand exceeded the supply. And, I, I mean, the uh, supply exceeded the demand and not the other mm-hmm. way around. Uh, and uh, but we're not going to see another quarterback market like this in quite quite a while. And there are three quarterbacks that don't have a, a, a stable home right now that are either free agents or on the trading block or chopping block. And they're Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, and Cam Newton. What do you think are the best possible fits for those three quarterbacks? Uh, I'm going to say Andy Dalton to the Patriots. I think that's a good bridge quarterback for them if they want to draft someone this year. Uh, Jordan Love is someone that keeps coming up in my head that I think the the Patriots might look at. Um, I think Andy Dalton can be a good bridge quarterback, start the first five, six, seven games and let the rookie come in or just kind of let Andy Dalton do his thing and and ride that train out and then draft a quarterback early next year if the Patriots are committed to tanking for Trevor. Um, Jameis Winston, I like him in L.A. I like him with the Chargers. I think they have similar weapons to what he had in Tampa. You can kind of install a similar offense and let him kind of just do his thing. Like I said, you know, he had the LASIK. I've had LASIK. It's absolutely life-changing to have LASIK. I'm telling you, you guys don't have, have no idea how much you're missing before you have it done. He, he could come back and be a lot better at decision-making because he could see everything clearly. I, I like that fit for him. And then Cam Newton, my initial thought was Chicago, but they just traded for Nick Foles. So I, I, I don't know where Camden's going to end up. Um, a hunch tells me Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh, Big Ben, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to come back, if he wants to come back. He's always playing, retirement, no retirement, whatever it is. I think Cam Newton could be a fit in Pittsburgh. Uh, yes, but uh, another uh, underrated option for Cam Newton could be the Chargers because Anthony Lynn uh, likes mobile quarterbacks and uh, mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor. The reason why he's willing to stick with him for the timing is because he is a better fit for what he wants to do on offense in general, even more than Phillip Rivers is. And the Chargers, uh, based on the moves they made in free agency, they want to be a run-first defensive-centric team this year. And uh, even a scale-down Cam Newton could potentially help with that if it comes to that. Yeah, it could. It could. And in, in- I don't know. I'm just. I'm just. I have this gut feeling about Pittsburgh. I don't know why. I just do. I just uh, do. Because, um, uh, B- B- Big Ben about to hit father time too. Yeah, I think so. And and his his 
his quarantine beard is something else, man. Oh, that God, is yes. that is wild. He's out on Twitter now. I couldn't see it on Twitter because he's blocked me because he's blocked anyone that's ever said anything negative yeah, about but, him. But, but the Steelers um, released it. You could check their page yeah, and you can see. It. Yeah, if you're blocked by Ben Roethlisberger, go to the Steelers page and check out his his quarantine beard because it is it is banana land. It is out of control. Uh, yes, and last but not least, let's do a quick free agency recap with a game called Free Agency Absolutes. And uh, although it's impossible to discuss absolutes at this point, especially uh, before uh, we've seen these guys even practice, and it's highly unlikely there's going to be an off-season program uh, due to uh, COVID-19 and the nature of pandemics in general. Pandemics usually get a lot worse before they get better. So um, the earliest we'll probably see the NFL is resuming play in August or September, uh, but do not expect to see any OTAs this season. None. So, free agency absolutes. Uh, which team do you think had the best free agency period on paper? I mean, it has to be the Cardinals. It has to be the Cardinals. Getting Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins is so huge. I think Arizona's offense is going to be electric. So, again, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald. They, they are stacked with weapons. They are absolutely stacked. They kept Kenyon Drake, which was huge because I wanted Kenyon Drake on the 49ers because he was going to leave. I thought that's someone they should go target and get. Doesn't have a whole lot of miles on the tires. He still he still plays well in that system. I think Arizona had the best free agency period just based on the DeAndre Hopkins trade alone. Oh, absolutely. And that uh, makes me very excited to see what Kyler Murray can do in, in, in the next year. Yeah, it's terrifying. As a 49ers guy, I am not looking forward to playing DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray and all those guys twice a year because that is going to be scary. I think that offense is tailor-made for those guys to just go out and put up monster numbers. Team with the worst free agency period. Yeah, it's the other side. It's the other side. It's the Houston Texans. It's the Houston Texans. That trade away they did. It, the other thing that happened is, is Chris Harris, I believe, was looking at going to the Houston Texans as a free agent. And a defensive player from that team called him and said, no, do not come here. Do not come here. If you have your own players warning off free agents and you trade away your best player, how? How can you possibly be putting together a good free agency, a good offseason? You can't. I think Bill O'Brien single-handedly just destroyed the Texans, and it's they have the worst one for me. Who was the best free agency signing? Ooh, best free agency signing. I like Melvin Gordon to the Broncos. Woo, man. We, do, dif- I, we disagree here, by the way. <laughs> I like Melvin Gordon to the Broncos. I think he's going to come in, be running back by committee. He's he's going to come in and just produce. You know, they're going to try and baby step Drew Locke along. But I like I, I like Melvin Gordon. I know he had kind of down here after sitting out last year. I think he's motivated to come out and prove himself. And I, 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 I like that signing. I do. Um, but why pay a running back that much money? I think they overpaid for Melvin Gordon. Who I don't think he's. I think Austin Eckler is much better than Melvin Gordon is. Well, that's that's the thing is when you when you're have not you have to overpay, right? So it's what we're seeing in Miami. Miami's doing a lot of overpaying for some of these guys, and it's just what you have to do when you're have not. You have to overpay for guys, but if you can get production out of them, then you know you can see the return for it. Um, if you have the cap space, why not do it? It's not your money; it's the owner's money. Let them do their thing. Just. Make sure John Elway doesn't sign any free agent quarterbacks and you'll be fine. Yeah, and uh, how well do you think Melvin Gordon compliments Philip Lindsay, and do you think those two could be a reliable one-two punch for the Broncos? I think they complement each other great, and I absolutely think they can be a one-two punch. I think every team needs at least two really good running backs. I think that's just the way the league is going between injuries and, and load management and however, whatever you want to call it. 
you need two quality guys that can carry the rock. And I think the Broncos have that in Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Yes, and plus Melvin Gordon's receiving game chops are very important to what Pat Sherman wants to do on offense, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, and, a, and a receiving running back is, is just as good as a friend, as a tight end to a young quarterback. Uh, giving Drew Locke the ability to just kind of dump the ball off and let Melvin Gordon create and keep the chains moving. It's, it's, it's a really good match. I know you might have overpaid in Denver, but it's a really good match. What about the worst free agency signing? Oh, I, I got to see Tom Brady. Whoa. Just the amount of the amount of money they are giving him. A two, two years, $50 million, all fully guaranteed. He can't be tagged at the end of that because someone's going to want to slap a franchise tag on him. I, I, I'm really anti-Tom Brady. I really think he's about to fall off a cliff. And I, I think the, the Buccaneers should have stuck with Jameis Winston and, and should have seen it out. And I think they're they're going Super Bowl or bust. And I think they're going to bust out real quick. Uh. I wouldn't underestimate Tom Brady if I were you. So um, uh, we're kind of reverse on what the worst and best sightings are, although I think Jimmy Graham of the Bears was worse than Melvin Gordon of the Broncos. Uh, but th- that's just... Uh, oh, I, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, no, that's a really bad one, too. I And and the Bears trading for Nick Foles. I, <laughs> panic move. Panic move. They're letting Jacksonville out of that contract. Uh, that's The Bears have also had a, a, a shaky, a very shaky free agency. Oh, absolutely. And whether via trade or signing, who is the biggest steal in this free agency period? I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins, right? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> let's think outside DeAndre Hopkins for a moment because we pretty much are given every award of that trade for the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, the biggest steal, um, I, I got to go to the Buckner trade. And I don't think it says just steal. I just think it's such a good win-win for both teams. It, it, both teams are getting exactly what they need out of it that it, it just – it works so beautifully, and very rarely do teams come out where or trades come out where you're looking at both sides, going, "Yeah, that's exactly what they should have done." And so for that, I'm giving them a a, a co-win. Uh, yes, but there are some other steals that I can think of. Like how about Calais Campbell to the Ravens? Or the Ravens only having to surrender a fifth, or if not, the Broncos again, Jarrell Casey only having to give up a seventh. Yeah, very true. Very true. There have been some good steals, man. There's been so much going on. It's just been all floating around my head. Um, out of those two, I like Clayus Campbell just a little bit better. Uh, still playing at a high level. It's a salary dump by the by the Jaguars. They're trying to make room for whatever moves they're going to make. I don't know. Yannick Ngakwe might be traded as well. Yeah. That might end up being a bigger steal than Clayus Campbell, depending on what they get in return for Ngakwe. But um, the Ravens reloading on their on their defensive line. Ozzie Newsom continues to win. He continues to bring in uh, that's Eric DaCosta. Sorry, that to correct you, Eric DaCosta. Ozzie Newsom's retired. Oh yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Ravens are such a well run organization, right? Yeah. And, and they just they just continue to get these guys to come in and, and know what their job is and getting Clay's camp for a fit. Yeah, yeah. No brainer. That's a steal. Yeah, Eric DaCosta um, uh, doing. Everything that Ozzie Newsom did, if not, something's better than Ozzie did as a GM so far. And uh, a tip of, your, of our cap to you, Eric DaCosta, for the amazing work you're doing with the Ravens as you position them to win another Super Bowl. And he is Matt Barr, ladies and gentlemen, of the 4th and Gold Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Barr underscore. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crutch. We'll be back with a lot more shortly as the 2020 NFL Draft draws closer, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well 
Balls by Blog, and SportsCrunch.com. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Matt. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Matt Barr, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay home, wash your hands, stay hopeful, and stay awesome.